You're listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's 11.59 in Cozy Corner and around the world. The current temperature is 57 degrees and it's pretty windy. Like my dad after eating the bottomless bucket of beans from the Western Sizzler. (laughs) You all know what I'm saying. Toot toot. The weekly meeting of the Cozy Corner Procrastinators held each Thursday in the Eudora Dooley Conference Room of the Cozy Corner Library has been moved to next week, or maybe the week after, maybe the week after that. Who knows? You can't rush things, you know. It's almost midnight, and that means it's time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith, the only show with an IQ lower than Forrest Gump. You've been warned. Yeah. for departure. Your destination, the Late Night Fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me as always is my reanimated corpse of a co-host. Her father was Frankenstein, and her mother was the lightning, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Creepy Classics Month continues here on our little show. And tonight's film, in addition to being a creepy classic, features two creepy classics. Before we get to that... Welcome one and all to Cozy Corner, be you a spook, specter, astral traveler from Dimension X, alien envoy from Bibblebrox, or Joan from Tucson. Welcome one and all. Hi, Joan. Tonight's film comes to us courtesy of Universal Studios, the original house of horror, and stars the two men that helped shape both its identity and legacy, Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. Faith, are you a Boris or a Bella girl? Like the old Motown song says, I've got two lovers, and I love them both the same. That is the only acceptable answer. What is on the slab for post-mortem tonight? From director Roland V. Lee and screenwriter Willis Cooper, we have 1939's Son of Frankenstein, starring Boris, Bella, and Basil Rathbone. This is the third in Universal's Frankenstein series, and it's a good one. Boris, Bella, Basil, and a whole lot of German expressionism. This one has it all. Tonight, we will be scoring the film in one category, overall film. And in honor of the German expressionist-influenced set design, in lieu of stars, we will be awarding Son of Frankenstein wickedly sharp angles. We are going to take a short pause for our coffee cause. You're listening to The Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We will see you on the other side. 
funding for the late night fright is made possible through a generous loan. That's two points on the principal, don't miss a payment. From Vito's tracksuit and undershirt emporium, come get fitted for a gorgeous custom tracksuit from the Coolion Collection. Accentuate it with a gold chain, a gold religious medallion, a gold bracelet, or a gold pinky ring. We just got those in, they fell off a truck, don't ask. Fido's tracksuit and undershirt emporium, a proud underwriter of the late night fright. Be sure to ask about our executive card game. Don't be a Stugat. The Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards. Working hard to bring about the second transit of the Black Dawn since 1699. The Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards. Available for love spells, revenge spells, wealth spells, and children's birthday parties. The Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards. Now on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards. A proud underwriter of programming on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. People say Frankenstein's monster had a terrible temper, but he's surprisingly level-headed. <sighs> because the flathead, you know? <sighs> anyway, back to the late night fright with Dan and Faith. A show that's just like those bodies in the doctor's laboratory. D-O-A. Yay. In 1931, Universal Studios officially became the original House of Horror with the release of Todd Browning's Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi, and James Whale's Frankenstein, starring Boris Karloff. Over the next several years, the studio released classic film after classic film, movies that helped define the genre, movies such as The Invisible Man, The Mummy, and Bride of Frankenstein. After the release of 1936's Dracula's Daughter, Universal dropped all horror films from their production schedule. Tell those assholes to shut up. Hey, shut up, you assholes! Thank you. In 1938, a triple bill featuring Dracula, Frankenstein, and 1933's Son of Kong proved to be a smashing success at the Regina Theater on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Screenings in the 659-seat theater were packed for five weeks straight and prompted Universal Studios to release Dracula and Frankenstein as a double feature across America and to get back into the business of monsters. A two-horror picture deal was struck with Karloff, the first film of which would be a Frankenstein sequel, tentatively titled After Frankenstein at this early juncture. Bela Lugosi and Basil Rathbone were then announced as cast members. Son of Frankenstein was a go. Released on Friday, January 13th, 1939, Son of Frankenstein tells the tale of Baron Wolf von Frankenstein, the son of Colin Clive's Henry Frankenstein, who arrives in the village of Frankenstein to claim his inheritance with his wife Elsa and son Peter. Rathbone, most famous for his portrayal of Arthur Conan Doyle's detective Sherlock Holmes, portrays Wolf a role that at one time was intended for Peter Lorre, who was under contract to 20th Century Fox. 
Claude Rains was also considered before Rathbone was finally cast. Elsa is played by Josephine Hutchinson, who would appear in Alfred Hitchcock's classic 1959 thriller North by Northwest, and Peter is portrayed by Donnie Dunnigan, who would go on to voice young Bambi in the classic Walt Disney animated film. The villagers of Frankenstein are hostile to Wolf upon his arrival, and his only friend is Inspector Krogh, played by Lionel Atwill. Krogh lost an arm as a child years before to the Frankenstein creation. Atwill would go on to appear in several other Universal Horror productions, including Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman and House of Frankenstein, and would also appear alongside Rathbone as Professor Moriarty in Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon. Also watching Wolf's movements is Igor, played by Bela Lugosi. Igor is a former blacksmith turned grave robber who was hanged for his crimes and pronounced dead, only to have survived. Now deformed because of a broken neck, Igor seeks revenge on the jury that sentenced him to death, and he has the perfect weapon to enact his evil plot, the creature created by Henry Frankenstein. Igor needs Wolf's help to revive the monster, and Wolf needs to prove to the world his father was right and restore honor to the family name. A partnership is formed. There was a partnership in front of and behind the camera on this film as well. Son of Frankenstein marked the fourth collaboration between Karloff and Lugosi after the Black Cat, the Raven, and the Invisible Ray. Lugosi had fallen on hard times before the filming of Son of Frankenstein, and director Roland V. Lee felt that Universal was getting Lugosi cheap because he was desperate. So he beefed up the part of Igor and let the actor work out the eccentricities of the character. Lee said, quote, The interpretation he gave us was imaginative and totally unexpected. When we finished shooting, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that he stole the show. Karloff's monster was weak by comparison. End quote. Son of Frankenstein was a massive hit for Universal and marked the last time Karloff would play the monster on screen. He felt that the character had nowhere else to go and would become a one-dimensional character of itself, a hunch proved correct with the release of 1942's Ghost of Frankenstein. It probably didn't help that it took the actor four hours to get into the Jack Pierce-designed makeup. Karloff would return to the series for the 1944 Monster Rally House of Frankenstein, his last horror film for Universal. Critics gave Son of Frankenstein high marks upon its initial release, and contemporary reviewers call it the last great Frankenstein film. Christopher Lee said it was one of the best horror films ever made, and many reviewers consider Lugosi's role as Igor the best of his career. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to be talking about Son of Frankenstein. But before we do that, I would like to clue all of you in as to some things we're going to be doing in the future here on the show. Next month, by special request of my lovely co-host, we're going to be doing Demon December. So demonic themed movies. Mm -hmm. There you go. It should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. January, we're looking to do another thriller month. We've had a lot of fun doing thriller month before. And this uh, this go around, the movies we picked, I think are really, 
solid movies. Mm -hmm. And past that, uh, we're looking at doing a tribute to Svengoolie. We're looking at doing a tribute to Creature Features. And it came to me today, maybe possibly doing like a villain month, like really great villains. One of the villains I have in mind is the one and only Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. I think (laughs) I think we need to do Back to the Future on the show. That's a good one. So we have a good one tonight, don't we? We do. This was a first time watch for you. It was. Wasn't it? it was. All right. So we have the third in the Universal Frankenstein series. We have Bella Lugosi in this movie, joining the great Karloff and Faith. When I think of Bella Lugosi, three things pop into my mind. Are you ready for the three things? I think so. Dracula. Yes. Does oh, that go course. without saying? Of course. <laughs> Old horror movies. Of course. And the Dead Sled Blend Coffee and Chicory, it's Bella's Brew is what it's called. He loved coffee and chicory. Faith and I are also big fans of coffee and chicory. We're also big fans of Dead Sled Coffee. Dead Sled Coffee gave us the Robert England blend. Uh, What, No More Bad Dreams? Is that what it's called? I believe so. You know, they branched out. They're doing Kiss and Elvira and um, all kinds of uh, other people. Yeah, I so, saw that. There we go. But uh, that's uh, that's what I think of when I think of Bella. And I understand that Bella drank Hungarian mineral water, which is full of sulfur. He had it imported, and apparently it gave him quite an odor. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so He's one of the great figures in any genre, and I am eternally grateful to the director of tonight's movie, Roland V. Lee, for casting him in this and for letting him do what he did, because I think... This is one of his best performances. I think it's one of the great performances in any horror movie. (laughs) I think so. I think it's one of the great performances in any movie, period. So we have an over-the-top performance from Basil. We have an almost subdued performance from Karloff. We have a screaming kid. I know Faith wants to talk about that. (laughs) We have a great performance from Lionel Atwill. A scene-stealing performance from Lugosi. Elements that seem ripe for parody. And it was indeed by Mel Brooks in 1974's Young Frankenstein, yet the whole thing holds together and is an amazing and maybe overlooked gem in the universal canon. That was a mouthful. That's what she said. What did you That's think of my line? What did you think of Son of Frankenstein, Fed? <laughs> I really liked this. I feel like it was a nice uh third movie, you know, and God, having the addition of Bella is just amazing. So to see those two men in one movie together oh my goodness it's just it's so amazing it's great anytime you get one of them in a movie is wonderful but when you get right when you get them together it's really great it's it's just so special it's like the peter cushing christopher lee thing you know there's just this this amazing thing to see two horror actors come together what's really wonderful is and listen i don't i don't have a favorite out of these two uh they're they're so wonderful and, and different in their own right but as we said in the little bumper before kind of given the film history this is one of the few times maybe the only time when these two men were on screen together that lugosi actually outshined karloff right and and isn't that cool yeah it is it is because that's a big task. You know? I, I think he's so good <laughs> oh, in my, this movie. This movie doesn't work without him. It really, I mean, it's a right. good movie, but it really, right. it wouldn't be the same movie without him in it. The movie without Bella is just another Frankenstein movie. Right. You know, and both, and the three movies have all, they all have a different kind of feel to them. Right, you know, exactly. Frankenstein is the real kind of macabre gothic mm-hmm. film. Bride of Frankenstein, as we've said, we did Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. back in October of 2019. Um that was Universal Horror Month yes. for us then. So go back and check Very out. Very good month. It was a great month. Go check out those episodes. Uh, we need to revisit those films. We, we, we really do. We really do. And uh, 
Bride of Frankenstein uh, was James Whale's baby, and it has a lot of very dark, macabre, gallows humor. He was uh, he was an out homosexual at the time mm-hmm. in Hollywood, which was uh, 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 something unheard of at the time. Right. And a lot of his kind of flamboyant humor mm-hmm. comes through uh, in that. And there's been several scholarly essays written about that, and you can look those up. But... Uh, uh, we don't have him here. We have Roland V. Lee, and mm-hmm. this movie feels a little different. This one feels a little bit more like a mystery. This is like a haunted house, yes. locked room type thing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And I like the fact that it is so different from the other two movies, but it also is missing James Whale's sense of humor. Right, exactly. But it's still a good movie. Without that being there, you know, I think I think that's the big thing missing. But you have the Lugosi performance, which is carrying a lot of that weight. Yeah, I mean, the horror is nice. I mean, the comedy is nice, but having Bella here is kind of a nice little trade off in a way. In a way, you know? and and he really kind of fits into the Ernest Thessinger role. You know, uh, he was Doctor Pretorius in mm-hmm. Bride of Frankenstein. But looking at James Whale's work too, he uh, used him in the Old Dark House. We were big fans of that movie, and especially him in that movie. Yes. I cannot for the life of me remember his character's name, but he was all about the potatoes and have a potato. And uh, one of the points I want to make, because I was thinking about Ernest Essinger, and then I was thinking about Bella in this movie, and Bella is so good in this movie. And there's something kind of historic here. Um, If you look at Dr. Pretorius and then Igor, uh, there's a level of comedic sensibility to it, but then there's also a level of menace to it, too. It's not just funny it's not just comic relief and i've always loved the tone that the universal movies strike between the humor and the horror right i do too uh sometimes they feel like a 12 year old boy who throws a bug on a little girl you know like (laughs) i'm gonna get you with this you know (laughs) like eddie murphy talked about with uh you know putting poop on a stick and chasing the girls like gonna get you and sometimes it has that mentality to it you know where it's like it's like just trying to be yeah you know funny in a way but um, playful, playful. Yes. But you can look at these and you can draw a line. Ernest Essinger as uh, Pretorius. And again, like old dark house. Lugosi here is Igor. Then that leads right to like Vincent Price, who had a smirk on his face when he was doing this. And then you can draw that line straight to Robert England as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> exactly. You know, even in the darker Freddy chapters, there's yes. a there's a there's a comic yeah. overtone to it. So. They really nail that. They set the template for for this genre that all of us love. If you're listening to the show, I'm pretty sure you love the genre. <laughs> and uh, but they they really nailed that, you know. And I think it's interesting. I've said it before. The 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 meeting place of horror and comedy is always very interesting. And they're not comedies like The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. It's a it's a right. This is like a really unique blend. And I've always really. I had, I had that movie in my mind, I think yesterday, for some odd reason, it just popped in there and I was like, I need to watch that again. <laughs> Do you know that that, uh, that episode that we did on the ghost and Mr. Chicken is in our top like three? It's really? like, it is, it is like just shot up. Yeah. That is so weird. Yeah. I'll take it. Apparently that movie has a bigger cult following than I was then, aware yeah. of. And rightfully so. It was a great movie. It really you know? is. It's, I, I do need to pay it another visit soon. And it was also from the Universal House of Horror. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're good on that. Yeah. 
Um, one thing this movie has going for it is the production design, and it has that great mysterious German expressionist influenced uh, look to it. It adds to the mystery of the proceedings, and you throw in the thunder and the lightning, and we've got a lot of atmosphere. This movie has a lot of atmosphere. Yes, it does. Um, if you hear things in the back tonight, we are in the house of mystery and imagination tonight, so we are picking up the spirit. So if you hear anything in the back, that's exactly what it is. Yes. But uh, this movie, as I said, is more of a mystery than the other Frankensteins. And right. I think that works for this. And I think so. What I like about it is it's not trying to be Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein is a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest films ever made. And this is doing that thing, but doing it a little different. And I really right. admire, admire it about it. Yeah, that's why I say it. It's hard to top Frankenstein and it's hard to top Bride of Frankenstein. But I think this is a good a good follow-up to Bride of Frankenstein because it's yeah. it's really good. I yeah. feel like it stands up. You know what I like? I like how this all happened. I like... I do too. I like the story of how this all came together. I like the story that they stopped making horror films and then they were... Again, it's like Dracula and Frankenstein and then come back and they pull them. It's like the mafia. They yes. were, we're going to pull you back <laughs> in, you know? And um, it, it's really, I think, a nice story. And then the Bella Lugosi story. And it's really, Bella is just one of the most tragic figures to me in film because I think he's one of the most talented actors who's ever worked in film. And he got typecast. Yeah. And we love him because of his horror roles. But this guy was just such a great actor, you right. know. And I, I don't think that we ever really got to see the full the extent full, of yeah, what potential. he was capable of because this guy just had it, you know. I know. This guy, under all of that makeup, was so impressive to me, was carrying the movie. He, you know? he really was. Like, like uh, we've talked about England being able to act under all the makeup. You know, exactly. Schwarzenegger in Terminator, yes. when he's had prosthetics on his right. face, you know, is able to uh, to emote and, and, and yeah. give you characterization. And Bella is doing it here. It takes a special person to be able to deliver that way when you're not just your full yeah. self, you know? We're going to talk about Bella in just a second. Let's talk about the three main performers here. We have Basil Rathbone. We've not talked about Basil on this show. We have not. He is uh, perhaps, if we said, as we've said, the, uh, the, the he's the Sherlock Holmes for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to Sherlock, it's Basil Rathbone and the late great Jeremy Brett, who was in the Granada TV series back in the 80s and 90s. And for me, those are my two Sherlock Holmes. Basil was really wonderful. He was a great actor. He was uh, the, the Peter Cushing of his day. He played those kind of roles that Peter right. you know, would have played. I was played, thinking that the whole time. The great John Stanley, who hosted Creature Features in the Bay Area after Bob Wilkins, he literally wrote the book on Creature Features. If you don't have that, it's the uh, the movie guide for fantasy, science fiction, horror, the you know these movies that we all love, these, <laughs> these genre films. And he said that Basil's performance here is a little hysterical and histrionic and that it works completely for the piece. And that uh, I've heard that Basil felt the film was a little inferior, so he felt he needed to kind of add a little oomph to the okay. performance, uh, which Shatner has been accused of in some <laughs> Star Trek episodes. So what did you think of Basil's performance? Because it is a different performance from what we've seen in the Frankenstein series, although it does feel like he's kind of drawing from the Colin Clive uh, character of Henry Frankenstein with some of that kind of bigger, grandiose, you know, yeah. uh, over-the-top... Uh, uh, he almost uh, has like a stage presence to him, like almost yes, like a, or a musical-type presence, like... There's right. this very, he's a very strong character. I mean, as a person, you know, so I feel like that's the kind of vibes I was getting Peter Cushing vibes, but I was definitely feeling like, I don't think Peter would have ever have gone as big. I as, don't as think Basil he was, was I would, no, ma here. not necessarily him playing this, but his role, you know, like yeah. his character, who he was, but 
Yeah, he was definitely over the top. I didn't mind him though. I felt like he was he was bringing something different than the other characters. Exactly. I mean, you what, have, do, what do you think of the character? What do you think of the story? Uh, I really that's because I really you know, the like story that. centers on him, and mm-hmm. he is the title character. Although you could say that the Karloff character is also the other son of Frankenstein. Right. But uh, what do you what do you think of the general kind of story here? Well, I I like the story for a lot of reasons. I do too. I feel like it takes it in. It's not a huge different direction. Obviously, he's you know, going to be working on him as a scientist, a doctor, you know, so that's kind of, it's not very far-fetched, but I like that he's doing something that he wasn't necessarily, I don't know, familiar with, or it's something he's right. brought into, and it's, right. I don't know, I like it. I like the questions of legacy in this movie. Yeah. I like the questions, uh, like he's trying to restore the family honor right. in a way, and he, then he gets sucked up into his father's madness mm-hmm. in a way. I like uh, I like that this is a movie that addresses the films that came previously and mm-hmm. is dealing with the uh, with the things that happened there and the emotional baggage of those movies. You see it with the Lionel Atwell character. Uh, you know he lost an arm as a child, right. so there's been uh, damage done mm-hmm. by this family in this village, and I like that it's addressing the horrors that have happened. And like you can feel it, you know. In some ways, it kind of reminds me in in that vein of uh Wes Craven's new nightmare where mm-hmm. he talks about the effects of horror movies like on children, you know? Right. And so here you're actually addressing and dealing with the horror that's happened due to, you know, previous films. So I think it's it's very interesting. There's a lot going on in the movie. It's not just, you know, here's Frankenstein. Right. <laughs> you know, again, you know, and he goes out and terrorizes the countryside. I feel like there's right. Like legitimate um, uh, thematic material that's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I like Rathbone in this movie. I think I think his energy compared to the other two is really it balanced like the three the that's three what I say they, they all have very different other. character in in vibes i feel like they all kind of stand out although you know that nobody really gets right you know they don't drown and and before we get to the other two the one that i think really kind of grounds this movie is lionel atwill as i said is as yeah. an inspector so you have the basil boris and bella kind of off in the stratosphere doing their thing and then you have this guy that really grounds the movie and and you said the movie doesn't work without Bella. You're right. And I don't think it works without him either because he's like, to me, the other really great performance yeah. in this. And it's very no, I agree. understated. And he could have co- totally played that over the top, but he brings it like way down mm-hmm. and very sympathetic, you know, and, and very cool. And you root for the inspector in this. You, you do. Know, you really do. You because, feel bad for him. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but he's a very mysterious character yeah, too. Exactly. And, and very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I think it's it's another one. That's the one you kind of, you might overlook his how good that performance is. That's true. And he is spoofed to great effect in Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I have been saving it. And I and, Faith, and you told me to Faith save it. Faith had not seen, has not seen Young Frankenstein as of the time of this recording. And I told her, hold off until you've seen Son of Frankenstein, because it's not going to make as much sense. It's, right. it's, it's not as fun. Well, it's, it's on my list. I'm ready. It, it, it should be. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we have two other legends. We have the two legends in this. Basil is a legend, but we got the two just universal horror legends. Let's start with Boris. Boris came back for this. Uh, this is his last time in the makeup, officially. He also became a father during the making of this, and he was pushing 50 years old when, oh, wow. when they were making this. Uh, what did you think of his final performance here as the monster? Because this is, again, this is a different take from the previous two films. You know, it's um, 
Some have said he seems a little sluggish and sleepwalking through this. I don't think that's the case here. I, think, I don't think I so. I think there's a dimension to this character that he's exploring here. And uh, what do you think of the monster in this film? I like him a lot. I don't, I don't necessarily have any problems with him. I think he's still... He's very present. He's very present. And it's just such a treat to see him. Always. Just, oh man. Him, especially him coming up from that one shot. That's he, that's one of the great shots in Universal horror movies. And go ahead, go ahead and, just, and say what it is. He comes up he the stairs. He comes up behind. The, isn't the sulfur going behind? There's yeah, there's like smoke yeah. and he's coming up behind. Uh, Rathbone. Rathbone. And it's just a killer shot. And it, it, his presence on screen puts his, is. Puts his hand on his on shoulder. On his shoulder. And it. The two, the two sons of Frankenstein. But together. he's just so. It's. He's so amazing to see on screen. And there's a sense of uh, self-awareness in this movie, too. And he, when he looks in the mirror and there's the uh, I've heard Karloff as the monster described as like the sad clown. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and you can you can see it here. Yeah. And there's menace and sympathy. It, it, it's an amazing performance because the guy gets such sympathy out of this character that maybe you shouldn't have sympathy for because he's a murdering son of a bitch, you know. <laughs> And then he's being manipulated by Igor, you know, right. and, and, uh, no, he's great. He's I great. And he's I think so it's great. a wonderful send off for, for this character, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's a little subdued. The way it ends with him falling down. What is it? Sulfur down there? Yeah. The pit. Yeah. Pit, it, sulfur it, pits. You don't even want it to happen. You no. Know? <laughs> I no. mean, you know, he's done some stuff, but it's, um, I, I just got off of doing The Sopranos, and if you listen to the last week's show, I <laughs> talked about how I'd been down the rabbit hole of The Sopranos. It's an amazing character, you know, and Gandolfini had this thing, too, and it's funny because Tony Soprano refers to himself as a sad clown in several uh, episodes of, of that series, and if you haven't seen that, you really need to watch it, one of, maybe the best TV show of all time. But um, there's this thing that Gandolfini does, that Karloff does with this character, and it's different from like we just mentioned England with Freddy Krueger. It's a different vibe from that because for some reason, these two guys can take these very menacing figures that and and create these sympathetic characters. I, out I of know, them. you know, because Tony Soprano is not someone that you should be envying, but you're you're. You're, he's you give him sympathy, you know, and you're right. identifying with him too, in a way too. Yeah. And it's and it's weird, which is a completely different bag from like England, you know, it's Freddy Krueger because you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not giving him sympathy, you're not. you know. And I'm and, hoping no one's identifying. And, and maybe with that's him. kind of more in line with like what Lugosi's doing here is because I don't find Igor to be sympathetic, you know, because he's no. he's he's very self-aware, knows what he is and is, and is doing the things that he does very knowingly. Exactly. Let's get to it. Lugosi. He's amazing. What do you think about Lugosi oh here? Because it's something, God. I mean, I know he was Dracula. Let, let, let's just say, so you told me before I watched this, that this might be one of your favorite performances, maybe even outside of Dracula, of Bela Lugosi. Am I right? Like, right. It's uh, one of my favorite performances, period. And I, I was kind of like, oh, okay, because he's yeah. so good as Dracula. Yeah. I wasn't sure, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, it's like how good can he It's like, he, who's Dracula? Like, how good can he get? But, oh, my God. And I can't believe it's the guy who played Dracula in this. I, you know? Honestly, it's hard. It's... It's almost like it's not even Bill Lugosi. It no. is, but it's just yeah. oh my god, it, he's incredible. And incredible, and he and he and he's chewing the scenery, and and it's it's menace and funny. It's hysterical. It like I was laughing at him. You know, Me too. the whole thing with you know uh, 
uh, we we quoted it in the introduction of the show. You know, your father was Frankenstein. Your mother was a lightning. You know, like that that whole thing. I love him knocking on his neck. Knocking on the <laughs> neck. The whole idea of that character. You know, he's dead. I know. You know. Uh, oh man. I mean, there's so much. I and there's. It's like I don't know what to say about it except you need to watch it and just like take it in. You know, it's it's really wonderful. This it really is, is. And this is just proof that he was that good of an actor. Like. And then I read, again, it, you go, that's the guy who played Dracula. Like, you don't even see him in there. I, you really, like, you don't at all. Did I read correctly? He actually didn't have this big of a part at first. You read correctly, yes. And the director, because Bella had fallen on some hard times. Mm-hmm. And so the story goes that when they did the triple bill at the theater in Los Angeles, the owner of the theater, because it just kept packing out, packing out night after night, like it would sell out. And he contacted Lugosi and Lugosi would go and make personal appearances. And that started getting that train running again. I don't know where he was in his career, but it wasn't very good. And they got him for like $500 a week, which was not very much. And he was desperate, absolutely desperate. And the director was very sympathetic to his, his uh, position Mm -hmm. and kept beefing up the role. Uh, They didn't really have a finished screenplay on this either from what I've read. And so they were improvising and coming up I think it was done it. like right before they pretty much <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah it. pretty much and so then Lugosi they got to kind of keep plugging him in plugging him in. and and I don't think this movie would be anywhere near as good without the presence of Lugosi in it I don't think you know, so because uh, he carries so much of this movie he this really is, does it's really a showcase for him I know because he 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 outshines the other two you know, immensely, and again, we say which it, is it's hard to so do. hard, especially with which with, hard with Karloff. Yeah, Karloff, which I is mean, hard to do. playing the monster. Yeah, you know, it's hard to do. Yeah. All right, we got to talk about it because you had talked about it, and there's a reason for it. Uh, Donnie Dunnigan uh, plays Peter <laughs> in the movie, uh, the other son of Frankenstein, and he yells throughout the entire oh, movie. Does he not? My goodness. So the trivia bit on this is that they they wanted him to yeah they wanted him to speak up, so he started speaking up, and he's from Texas, I believe, and and so. There you go. There's there's a reason for that. It's one of the only things that kind of takes me out of the movie. I was going to say. I, think it's, like a, I think it's the most terrifying part of the movie. No offense be. to him. Understand, might. you know, now what they needed of him. But <laughs> yeah. the first time I heard it, I was like, what is happening? Like, what was that? What was that? <laughs> um, also, uh, they were going to shoot this in Technicolor. This was going to be in color. And I was I'm always really just glad about to ask that you that. didn't work out. I am too. Because... You get a trilogy in the black and white. I think this movie looks so beautiful in the black and white. Oh, my God, it does. This is like a Tim Burton dream, Yes, I was thinking that. It's gorgeous. What do you think of the production design? I think the production design outside of Lugosi is like the thing that this movie has going for. And this is the most kind of uh, German impressionistic Mm -hmm. look I think we've seen in a Frankenstein movie. Which I love that. That's one of my favorite looks. It really adds to the mystery of it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Oh, it just, it looks so good. And I feel like the... The blacks are very, the contrast is so yeah. good, you know, and nothing yeah. seems washed out or anything. The color, not necessarily the color, but the, you know, the, we, the we, darkness of it, it just looks so good. We say this about these old Universal movies quite a bit. The transfer, the digital transfer is so good. I know. And it's amazing that this movie is 80 years old. Oh, I you know? know. And it doesn't feel like an 80 year Honestly, old Honestly, yeah, because I didn't know uh, what year it came out before I had... I had watched it. Was it thirty nine? Thirty nine, yeah. That blows my mind. It should. It, it blows should. my mind. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. 
And really, it stands up. The, this movie stands up. It has a lot to say. It has a lot to say. You know, it's like the great literature stories about fathers and sons, you know, and, and Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, right. you know, uh, here we have this story of a father and a son mm-hmm. and a son in a way trying to redeem his father and validate the father. And this is this this goes back to time, the beginning of time with stories, right. you know. There's a lot going on in this movie, and it's really beautiful and fun to look at, and it's an en- engaging story with really interesting characters, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little overlooked in the universal canon. It's not included when in the classic monster sets. You get Bride is included. Yeah, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein right. are included, but this one's not included, and, and I think it's a shame that it's not, because I think I this too. is that worthy, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah, I mean, that's and this movie, movie is historical because it then it kicks off the '40s mm-hmm. for Universal, where they start doing sequels to the Mummy and the Frankenstein, and, and '40s would also introduce us to the Wolfman, and and we're all better people for having the Wolfman <laughs> in our lives, and then would lead to the eventual you know monster monster rallies. So right, but um, so some people have said this movie is like kind of like the peak of Universal's creativity because it's so beautiful and rich and full. It is. And then it also leads to to the sequels that come after, you know. Yeah. What is it with horror franchises and sequels? I don't you know. know. <laughs> but, you know, this also leads to, we've said it before, that Universal did the Marvel Universe thing, you know, 90, 80 years before Marvel did. Very you know? true, yeah. So, so <laughs> this movie's really great. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot to think about, a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. With it. Yeah, anything you want to add about it? Any any of the elements? Because I just not off the top. I mean, of my we've head. got rain and 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 the expressionism and mystery and Karloff and Lugosi and and I think I don't think that Karloff gets outacted in the movie. I think that it's just no. his his place in the movie. You know, yeah. he he's doing and everybody gets that it gets their moment in this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's. Really I was going to say that because well I mean he comes out and he's in like this type of comatose state. Yeah. So, you know, there's not too much to really go off of that. But then when he has his actual moments, you know, I mean, yeah, they're really good. What did you think about him not talking in this? That was something Karloff, Karloff didn't want to talk. In I'm okay Bride with it. Fr- I am too. I like it. I have no problem with it. I mean, yeah. you know, I didn't, I, I feel didn't like feel it like adds needed, to the it, creepiness. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird line, the creepiness and the sympathetic qualities of it. It's weird. I know. It's so weird. What a, what a, what a line these movies. I feel like that's a, a lot of these movies are like that though, you know I mean? Yeah, there's there's a little bit of everything in them. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, there is. So we had Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. We had some, uh, well, we had some some dead figures in that reanimated <laughs> corpses in that. We got a reanimated corpse here. Uh, this is pretty good. I, I really it's like really this. Good. And we still have left uh, the Thing from Another World from 1951, and we also have the Innocence from 1961. So when we get back from the break and we score the movie, we're going to let you know what the next movie is. What are you thinking about Creepy Classics Month so far? I'm liking it a lot so far. I'm liking it I'm a liking whole it. lot too. Demonic December's got a lot to live up to, doesn't <laughs> it? it? Does. All right, we're going to take a very short break. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print i am dan and i am Faith, and we will see you on the other side
This is Bobby D'Amato, inviting you to stay tuned after the late night fright for Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. I'm going to be playing your favorite sexy hits from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Baby making music. Music to get down to. Music to make babies to. I'm also going to be taking some calls to help you with your love life. And tonight, I'm going to be counting down my favorite Stallone movies, starting with 1986's Cobra and working my way all the way through to all of them Rocky movies. They're all amazing. You know you'll love them. Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright with me, Bobby D'Amato. See you there. Corner Society of Dark Wizards is just one pint of virgin blood away from bringing about the second transit of the Black Dawn. So if you're a virgin and have a pint of blood to spare, head down to the Dark Depository and make a deposit. Do your part to bring about the apocalypse. There's been a wave of general unpleasantness in and around Cozy Corner recently. Scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff attribute it to a record high number of negative human emotions floating around in the ether. In an effort to turn the tide, scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff are urging all citizens to quit being such gigantic dicks. Their words, not mine. In national news, residents of Northern California are talking about seceding from the southern half of the state and are taking suggestions for what they could name their new state, if secession proves to be successful. The current frontrunners include Larry and Suck It LA. Finally, speaking of California, what do Dr. Frankenstein and Arnold Schwarzenegger have in common? They're both bodybuilders. That's news. It's been a slow week, Faith. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. good news is there's only one segment left of the late night fright the bad news is they're planning on doing this again next week back to the late night fright with dan and faith yay welcome back to the late night fright right here on wkmf cozy corner public radio i am dan and i am faith Before we get to awarding wickedly sharp angles, I would like all of you out there to know that Faith is currently dancing. I like this music. It feels a little groovy in here, doesn't it? (laughs) I like it. I do, too. I don't even ever dance. She doesn't. really like it. I can attest to that. Before we get to it, we would like to thank all of you for joining us this evening. 
We know you have a lot of options as to how you spend your time. We are so glad you've chosen to spend a little of your time here with us in Cozy Corner. Talking about movies is fun. It's always fun to get together and talk about movies with a friend. Faith and I do this every week. We're very fortunate to do that, and we love sharing this conversation with you. We hope it leads to you getting some friends together and watching a movie. Maybe this movie that we talked about tonight, or you know, there's a lot of other movies out there. There's at least 150 movies out there. Only so 150. Maybe you can get one of those movies and uh, have a conversation and see where that conversation leads you. You never know. I know it's going to be fun, though. It's always good to get together with friends and talk. And in these times that we live in, the powers that be want to keep us separated. We don't believe in that. So get together, have some fun, watch a movie, talk about it. And if you want to share what you come up with about that movie or this movie that we've been talking about, you can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from each and every one of you. And we appreciate all of your support. We it's, it's really flattering when I see the numbers and we're sitting in this wonderful little room with mood lighting and candles going, and we're looking at each other. Uh, some might say we're staring very intently at each other. It's a little creepy faith. So if you can just kind of avert your eyes, it's, did you take your medicine today? That's terrifying. Just nothing. There was no, uh, nothing, nothing on her end. So, but, um, uh, reach out to us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, but as I was saying, it's flattering. I'm looking around this little room with mood lighting and faith staring creepily at me like a dateline stalker. And, uh, to know that we're being heard in so many places. It's so cool. It really is. It's really cool. And uh, the only thing that we want to do is hopefully give you a view on these movies, get you to go back and revisit these movies. Most important thing we hope that we do is we leave you with a smile. Mm-hmm. As the late, great Norm MacDonald said, it's one thing to leave people with a laugh. We hope we gave you a few of those, but we hope that we leave you with a smile. So, that's um, right. So that's what it's all about. So well, let's get to it. Uh, Son of Frankenstein. I really liked the movie. I did too. You did too. How much did you like the movie? How many wicked, wicked sharp angles? Wickedly sharp. Wickedly angles. sharp angles. Is that from Boston? Wickedly sharp. Wickedly sharp. Wickedly sharp. How many wickedly sharp angles did you give Son of Frankenstein? Three and a half. Three and a half. Same here. Uh, I wanted more monster. Uh, I, I wanted less screaming kid. Uh, Me too. And I wanted more Lugosi. So, so there you go. Me too. Um, Literally. <laughs> I feel like this movie, if it had uh, not taken anything away from Roland Lee, because without Lee, maybe we don't have Lugosi in the movie. Right. Not taking anything away from him. I think if this movie, though, on the production end had just been tightened a little bit, we had a more solid script. I think this thing would be classic level, just like Bride of Frankenstein. I, I think that's what it is. And I think I read a review, too. It feels like the same type of like conflicts keep approaching or the same type of like, you know, the same two people kind of. Or maybe there's like repetitiveness kind of mm-hmm. happening a lot in the movie. So I feel like maybe yeah. that's kind of a thing too. Like, I think that goes with a script, you know, just totally, you know, just totally. a few little, a few little adjustments. But then, you know, historically you go back and you look, if it hadn't been that way, we've gotten Lugosi as we do in the movie. No, so, right. so there you go. I don't know. Three and a half. I think that's, yeah, that's, I'm not, I'm, I don't hate this movie. I'm not disappointed not with it. It's, it's a not really good all. movie. Karloff would next appear in the Universal horror movie House of Frankenstein, which would be his last, and he would play the Doctor in that. So kind of full circle, and rightfully so. Um, we have we have two of the great figures in movies in this in this film. You know, it's Karloff, such a treat. Karloff and Lugosi, and always to get to see them together. Um, that you know, it, this doesn't rise to the level of like the Black Cat with them, you know, pairing off. But it's right. always great to see these two right. together. So I know. 
So that you know that generation, and then a generation later, we had Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. And uh, have we really? I don't think we've had that. We've had this discussion. I feel like before there's not a lot of. We haven't like, had that next. You know, even, Robert England in the '80s, but like I'm talking about, like the the guy. You know, like right. the other. Yeah, you know, like Tony Todd, we, you know, but but not to that level. I just feel like we know. haven't had a good combo of horror people right. coming together and, you know. Right. I feel like that's really lacking. I, I do, too. I do, too. Yeah. It feels like we're due. We're due. I think so. Yeah. What is it about these old universal horror movies? They just, they, they did it right, you know? They did. You know, Christopher Lee said this is, this was one of his favorites. He said this is, this is great horror. What do you think Christopher Lee saw in this? What do you think it is? I no, I was actually just thinking that either. when you said that. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I get that he likes it, but you know. And he would know. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not either. What I am sure of, I really liked it. <laughs> I did too. I really liked it. And we are pleased to announce our next movie up in Creepy Classics Month. It is 1951's Howard Hawks produced The Thing from Another World. We've got a sci-fi movie coming at you. I love me some sci-fi. James Arness is playing The Thing. This is, of course, based on Who Goes There by John Campbell. I believe it's John. Uh, I keep wanting to say Joseph Campbell, but he's the (laughs) mythology guy. I think it's John Campbell. And, of course, that would go on to become the basis for John Carpenter's version of The Thing. Of course, uh, based on Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians. It's a locked room thing. Antarctica, a lot of the beats are the same, a little different. Yep. The monster here is more of a space alien vegetable thing. So <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a space alien vegetable? It is. Oh, yeah. It's got like a big carrot. They, I think they even a call carrot. it a big carrot. Oh, yeah. Fay. Well, Okay. Oh, I can't okay. wait to see your reaction to this. A vegetable from outer space. A carrot from outer a space. Carrot from it's outer a carrot. Does it say that on the poster? No, it doesn't. But I do. Th- I, I feel like they do say carrot in in the movie. It's oh, you're in for a treat. It's really yeah, good. I mean, it's good. Now that I know there's a big, you know, alien carrot in it. <laughs> I don't know about you out there, but when I watch these old 50s movies, all I want to do is drink coffee and smoke cigarettes because that's all they're doing in the movie. So get your coffee and your cigarettes ready for next week because a thing from another world from 1951 is up. This should be a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to see what you think about it, Faith. I mean, I, I've never heard her laugh like that. Because I'm just so confused at alien carrot. <laughs> it's an alien carrot. Which, which, uh, you I'm know, trying to picture this. I mean, which is a threat to like, does humanity. it have like the little green? No, nothing <laughs> like that, nothing like that. But he, he's a threat to all of humanity. This great character, so he's orange. Well, it's black and white, we don't know. I mean, but do they describe it as orange like a carrot? It's been a while. We'll have to watch the movie, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm intrigued. All of us will have to watch the movie. <laughs> Thank you all again. We hope you're happy, healthy, safe, sane. We hope you're taking your vitamins. We hope you take care of yourself and those around you. Be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. And the only thing we ask, as we said, we hope we leave you with a smile. All we ask is that you pay that smile forward. That's what it's all about. We're in this together. Let's leave it a little better than we found it, huh? Yep. And let's watch a whole lot of horror movies and talk yes. about them. Because isn't that a whole lot more fun than, than plotting evil, destructive Absolutely. crap? Right? There you go. <laughs> Boris and Bella and Basil, wherever you are, Godspeed. We hope you're enjoying the next phase of your adventure. Thank you for the wonderful memories and performances you all left us with. I mean, what what a what a delight. I know. What a what a treat 80 years after the fact to watch this wonderful piece of work here. I know. I think that's what's it's so special to like 
still, at least me and I, I know you and so many of the people, to just still get so excited to see these men yeah. on screen. It's just I feel like a kid. I feel like a kid watching these movies. It is. It's just yeah. so wonderful. And we've got another one next week. Uh, that, that just uh, amazing. This seventy-year-old film now that is still very good. You know, mm-hmm. still a, a monumental science fiction uh, piece. So we're going right. to be getting into that next week, and then. Obviously, the week after that, we'll get into The Innocence, which is regarded as one of the greatest ghost stories of all time. And before we go, I'd like to just clue you in one more time. After we finish up Creepy Classics Month, we're going into Demonic December. We have not quite got the program down yet, but we know, uh, to kind of give you an idea, Hellraiser's in the mix. We've got The Conjuring is in the mix. Uh, Maybe The Omen. The Omen, maybe The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves might possibly be in there. So we're 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 throwing a whole lot of things yeah. around at the moment. Then Thriller Month, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking about North by Northwest. We're talking about the original Cape Fear, possibly The Firm from 1993, maybe Copland with Sylvester Stallone. So some things to be ironed out. And then, as I said, as we get into 2022, we're going to be doing a month of Svengooli, a month of creature features, uh, famous villains, you know, great villains. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. Another yeah. science fiction month. Uh, science fiction is always welcome here on the show. And uh, we'll just see. You know, we're making this up as we go along. Yeah. So uh, if you have any suggestions, please reach out to us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We we. We'll try to get to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> try to get to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Thriller Month, though, a lot, because I loved our, our last Thriller Month we did. It was just so good. As I said, Ghost and Mr. Chicken uh, is an episode that has done really, really well for us. It's got legs, and those those episodes we did during Thriller Month have just have are some of our top episodes as well. So uh, it's, it's always fun to kind of get... Uh, the horror-tinged movies that maybe aren't horror films, right. per se. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it should be fun. I love me a good thriller. Ah, uh, so do I. Yeah. So do I. Well, thank you all once again for tuning in. Son of Frankenstein is now in the books. You can put it down. Three and a half wickedly sharp angles. <laughs> and uh, maybe next week. I, in fact, I'm, I'm saying it right now. We're going to be scoring the thing from another world with uh, space carrots. Yeah, so. space carrots. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. Yeah. There you go. Space carrots. It's Tune in next. next week for a movie featuring a space carrot. On that note, <laughs> if we snap our fingers, can we make the magic happen? Ready, Faith? One, two, three. All right, there it is. Time to say goodbye. If you hear any EVPs in the show tonight, isolate them and send it, send them to <laughs> us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. We've been hearing some weird stuff some tonight. Weird, spooky very, stuff. Very weird, spooky stuff. Speaking of spooky, we got the thing from another world up next. Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember... Keep Keep your your monster monster on on a leash. leash. Say it with me, Faith, on three. Space carrot. One, two, three. Space Space carrot. carrot. You all have a great week. We will see you on the other side.